0: 1962 one on a summer's afternoon I took the bus to Bamberis and, and she was heavy laden The way we went to Collingwood Street that's on the road to bleeding. Oh!
1: welcome to chn radio the number one podcast for coming home newcastle this is elijah here Uh, greg is currently on a plane flying somewhere who cares and today i'm joined by a special guest co-host a reunion of sorts my man chris mcglynn chris how are you
2: I'm good. So wait, hang on. I thought I thought you guys just wanted me to come on. I didn't realize that like Greg was on a plane, and I was just like a last dish like fill in here. That's that's what's happening.
1: Chris, I don't know. How you didn't pick that up. We've been talking on this like meeting thing for like 30 minutes, and you did not hear Greg at all.
2: <laughs> that's. Tr- I knew that Greg wasn't here. I just I didn't know that that was why. It was just that Greg was completely unavailable, so I was just kind of roped in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg is Greg's
1: on a plane, so.
2: All right, well, um, that makes
1: sense. Well, I'm I don't want to do here. this alone. Greg, if I'm... And I
2: have had a chance to chat about some, some new, good old Newcastle United. It's been a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and normally, like, when this happens, Greg just does it solo. But I, I don't ever do it solo because... Fair enough. I think Greg's voice is not as monotonous as mine. So I think if I did it by myself, people would just fall asleep. So I tend to not do oh, it so myself. Here-
2: I, I kind of feel like now I mean maybe this is the poor comparison I always loved uh, in in hockey in the NHL they have the emergency goalkeeper which is literally just usually some random like fan who played in college or something like that that they have just in case somebody gets hurt like I, I've seen that happen a few times where they have to like bring somebody in who just like decide like most of the time it's somebody who works like a day job that like oh, yeah. is just on like the temporary one day contract. So I I'll just take this as I'm I'm the emergency goalie for the night.
1: Yeah, it happened last season with it was like maybe it was the it was like I think it was the Blackhawks. I don't know.
2: It was some team. I, I, be, I believe you're correct. I, yeah. I do remember seeing it. it happens every now and then. It's always fun to see. Every once in a while, you get somebody who does really well, um, which is always interesting. And most of these people have uh, experience playing, whether it be in college or you know, be internationally or something like that uh, overseas. It's not just some random fan they grab out of the crowd and then put in net, but it is always really neat when you get somebody when something like that happens and you see them do well.
1: Yeah, I feel like this guy who did it, he actually won.
2: I think that, I think you're right. I think you're right the with the Blackhawks
1: last year. Yeah, it was the Blackhawks.
2: That's, that's a question. Fans fans of the show can maybe look that one up and let us know because I don't. It's okay,
1: I looked it up. Hey, you you found it? What do we got? Uh, it was Scott Foster who is an okay. accountant and <laughs> he was, he was the emergency backup goalie. He's 36 years old. <laughs> wow. I don't think actually- actually, it a lot,
2: a lot of the goalies, it's kind of similar to keepers in, in football where we've got these guys hanging up, hanging around a long time. You could be 36 in the prime of your career for, for uh, a football keep- keeper. So you never know. Yeah. Don't know the guy's age.
1: It was funny. Cause basically like they, they had gone down to their third keeper, their third goalie. And he, uh, and like, this guy is like their emergency goalie. He gets his one day contract and he's like, usually I just go and sit in like one of the boxes and just eat food because they'll have like another guy ahead of me. But this time he had, he actually had the dress and their, uh, <laughs> their third, their third keeper who was actually making his debut cramped like midway through the third period and he just finished out the uh the the game that's pretty impressive that's that's an awesome saves, story Can you imagine like
2: walking into work on monday after doing that over the weekend and be like oh like oh what'd you do over the weekend it's like oh like i won like a stanley i like i won like a you know an nhl match like you know just casually finished the last like eight minutes of the game
1: yeah this guy probably didn't even do any work okay all right so back to the pod so this is episode 33 um and if you're unaware of how to find us you can of course follow our website uh coming home and ufc um on twitter that's the twitter or head up cominghomenewcastle.com um to read all of the wonderful writing that our writers do um you can follow the podcast at chn underscore radio but um that that's yeah that's honestly just how you can keep in contact with us uh, ask us questions. Tweet at us. Uh, we have a lot of controversial tweets. Um, really, not actually any controversial tweets, but funny tweets nonetheless.
2: It's been a while. We used to have more. We used to have more controversial tweets. Maybe that's something you guys need to bring back. Bring back okay. the controversial
1: tweets. <laughs> we'll just let Brian start tweeting again. That'll that'll do it. He says that's true. He says some some interesting things.
2: Um, I think Brian Brian's just very realistic with how he views this whole club. So. No. He, more often than not, he's, he's just not.
1: like. Well, he's. I, <laughs> he I'm said realistic we put the Mo he Diame as a winger at all times. I'm just saying, Brian said we should put Mo Diame as a winger.
2: So, all right, never mind. I take yeah. all all of what I just said back. Nope, never mind. Brian is not Brian, realistic.
1: Brian that. is realistic about certain things, like his assessment of paying Miguel Amaro. That's realistic, okay. But like making Diame a winger is not realistic, okay. Um. But yes, so on this pod today, uh, we're going to hit a Chelsea preview because we play them this weekend, so that should be fun, um, away at Sanford Bridge. Um, And we will go over a little bit of club news, so let's get into that. Uh, The first thing, as many of you may know, Tuesday, our U21s went over to face Sunderland in the Checker Trade Trophy. Um, They lost 4-0,
0: but it was a valiant
1: effort. Uh, They played well in the first half um no one was really expecting them to win uh and Sunderland fans were super like I don't really they got a lot of joy out of beating U21s I think many Newcastle fans were just more on the boat of making jokes about how young the team was because it's literally like are you 21s because we don't really have an academy are just like 18 and 19 year old kids there's no one like who's like 20 or 21 it's like they're all 18 or 19 and so, like, there was jokes about like kids like missing the bus because they forgot their permission slip, or like <laughs> bus having to wait for some of the kids because they had to kiss their moms goodbye because they still live at home. Because, like, yeah, these these kids are like they're they're kids; they're literally living with their parents and stuff. So they and they lost to a first team. Uh, this is Sunderland put out their first team, uh, barring a couple injuries. I think there was an injury, and I, there was a couple injuries, and I think. They either rested one guy or, or one guy was, like, suspended or something. But, yeah, they, they put out a first team. And the U21s looked very much in control of the game for the first half. And they kind of collapsed at the end of the second half once Elias Sorensen got subbed out. But, yeah, Chris, I know that you don't follow the U21s. But do you have any, any comments on Sunderland?
2: I mean come on like seriously you're going like this is what they 're going to celebrate right now it's like congratulations, you guys were in the Premier League two years ago, and now you're down beating the newcastle u twenty ones in the check a trade trophy it's like you know sure, congratulations, you got the win, but take a look in the mirror and realize where you are right now and and realize just like how much of a crap club they actually support i don't know i i, I i've never had much i've never been much of a sympathizer with Sunderland. I, I definitely think that they deserve everything they've gotten over the last few years. And I mean, honestly, they, you know, they, they had to put out their best team and they didn't score in the first half. The first goal of this game was an own goal. So I, I don't, I don't really think it's anything that you can look at and be like, Oh, they got completely outmatched. Um, you know, the U21s put out a good effort. Uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to see that they're they're doing well hopefully means we've got some you know maybe a couple of them will end up coming through and eventually making their way into the first team eventually but you know what I'm, I'm happy with the fact that they made the third round of this this competition um as a U21 squad we were looking beforehand you and I the only U21 squad left in the tournament is actually Manchester City's U21 so the only ones made it to the quarterfinals so I mean, if that's the company we're keeping, like where we just missed out, the only other teams I think that got eliminated that were U21s, I think Chelsea was the only other one. So, I mean, if that's the company that our our U21s are currently keeping, then I'm more than happy to to kind of say, yeah, that's where we're at right now.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and like you said, it was an own goal and then um, something that we're about to hit on, uh, arguably the best player in our academy right now, Elias Sorensen, who is the 19-year-old 18 19 year old i think he's 19 year old prodigy who scored 19 goals so far this season um in all competitions which is ridiculous uh because he hit 19 goals by like november of last year so take that into consideration 19 goals in a few months is a lot um he got injured easily our best player in our academy easily the best player in the u21s arguably one of the best players in the u23s um I mean you can you can say probably Sean Longstaff has the edge because I think he's a more complete player. Um, but Sorensen got injured, uh, picked up a knock and left in the fifty sixth minute and th- at that point I think we were down one nil. I think the first goal came in the fifty fourth minute. So I mean, it it's quite possible that Sunderland that we one could have scored a goal and two that, you know, this that Newcastle could have gone on and possibly won this if, if you had, you know, a goal scoring machine like Sorensen in there. So, um, but anyway, speaking of Sorensen, Blackpool's interested in loaning him in. Uh, That's good for him. Um, I mean, it was, it's, it's something that I think a lot of Newcastle fans saw coming because he kind of came out of nowhere and Rafa hasn't been the type like uh, Jose Mourinho or some of these other guys who will see a nineteen-year-old playing well in the academy and just like give him a shot at the first team? Because honestly, Newcastle can't afford that. So it was inevitable they was going going out on loan. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to say on that, Chris.
2: I mean, it's always good for these guys to get experience more than anything else. And I mean, it'll be playing in Football League One. You get a chance to see Sunderland again at some point this year, most likely going and joining Blackpool and. Uh, I mean yeah I, I think it was good that he was with the club for the first the U21s for the first half of the year um but now I think it's probably it would probably be best for him to go get some experience playing uh you know I don't know that he would be a regular starter quite yet at the league one level hopefully he would be getting a, a number of appearances whether it be off the bench or, or or starting the match right away so I mean this is this is how you get these guys experience uh against other competition other first teams and uh, it's it's easy to remember like you know these teams are still good. These are still good quality clubs. Like you know, compared to your average everyday person walking on the street, you know they're they're better than any of these guys by far. So, you know, it, it's still good experience. Uh, you know, I don't see anything wrong with it. I, I don't know that he'll be doing them a whole lot of good otherwise. Playing with U twenty ones or U twenty threes, as you just said, Rafa's not going to give him a chance in the first team. He just you know sitting fifteenth right now on the table and needing every point we could possibly get. Newcastle cannot afford. To try out a 19-year-old who's never had his first cap with with the you know the first team. That's just that's not going to be something that Rafa can afford to do right now.
1: Yeah, and and like you're saying, the League One is is definitely a step up from your every every day Joe, and it's it's a step up from the youth team more importantly. So it's it's a good it's a good way to see it, if Newcastle can kind of gauge his talent um, because there was other strikers who were carving it up, not to this extent um, for youth teams like Adam Armstrong who. You know, once we put them in situations um, like League One or Championship, um, especially putting out a monster in Championship, you saw that they were not going to be, um, you know, of of quality. So um, that should be something to just keep keep in the back of our heads. And it's possible that he might not get loaned out, depending on how this window goes, depending on if we pick up any more injuries, um, depending on if we advance in the FA Cup. So um, anyway. Uh, we got John Joe Shelby and Paul Dummett are both in Barcelona now. So when we last put on an episode, um, we talked about John Joe Shelby going to Barcelona to get his thigh examined. Uh, and Paul Dummett seems to be going to Bar well, is in Barcelona as well, uh, getting looked at as well for his nagging injuries. Uh, Paul Dummett had a fair share of hamstring injuries, uh, starting with the really long one he had last year that had him out for like almost half the season. Uh, i thought maybe that was 2017 20, yeah so last year yeah last year last season uh that had him out for like 116 days or something like that and since then he's missed a couple matches due to just random uh like hip and hamstring injuries that he's picked up in training and so he's just getting that checked out to see if it could be part of a bigger issue or whatever So really not much else to report on there and then uh moving on finally uh and I feel like we talk about Miguel Amiron on this podcast literally every every single episode, but yet again, more news um as Donny Campos was on uh Paraguayan radio, who is uh, Miguel's agent, he was on Paraguayan radio yesterday doing an interview giving an update on the whole situation um It seems to be that uh that personal terms for Miguel Amiron have been agreed upon, which um, the big news Tuesday was that. Miguel wanted a 100,000 pounds a week, which we don't know if that's true or not. That was club sources leaking that to the Chronicle. So there's really no true – we don't know if that's true or not. It could be a like a disguise – for, well not a disguise, but or just an excuse for us to not get the deal done. Um, but Dan, Donny Campos came out and said personal terms were agreed upon and that uh, Newcastle need to make a deal with um, Atlanta United to secure the player – um there's multiple sources kind of saying multiple reports are kind of floating that uh Newcastle value McGill at twenty million pounds, while uh while Atlanta value him at twenty five million pounds, uh and neither one of them seems willing to budge on that. So we'll see how it ends up in the future, but for now it seems as if um the only hurdle in this Almiron transfer is Newcastle spending money. Um but yeah. I don't even know what else to say about Miguel Amarone. I think everyone who listens to this podcast or reads uh, coming home Newcastle knows how I and Atlanta United fan feel about the Atlanta United's best player moving to Newcastle. So, uh, Chris, I don't know. Have you watched any MLS this season? <laughs> I know you've been a busy person.
2: I actually I actually have. I had a chance to see him in person. I went to go see the second leg of the Eastern Conference Finals oh. uh, against the Red Bulls in New Jersey. So I got a chance to watch him in person, hopefully a future Magpie. Um yeah, I've seen a couple different things saying that Newcastle have like put in a bid, but it's pretty low right now. And they're really just trying to like feel out the thing. It would be something I'm not at all surprised to hear that we're already leaking how much he's demanding on a weekly basis because that does seem like something the club would do. It's like, oh, well, you know, we didn't want him in the end anyway when the negotiations inevitably break down because that just seems to be how Mike Ashley runs things. So, but I did get a chance to see Elmiron in person. I mean, the kid can fly. He's got a lot of good technique. Uh, it's going to take them a little bit of time, I think, to adjust to the speed and physicality of the Premier League. Uh, MLS is pretty physical, um, but not in the same way. It's more just like there, there's not the the same level of control. It's more just you know sometimes there's a crunching tackle or two uh, because there's there. It's just the defenses that are in the MLS are. Are pretty poor by comparison. I, I think MLS is, has caught up in a lot of ways uh, to some of your mid-tier European leagues when it comes to the level of play from their attackers and midfielders, but still lack a lot and leave a lot to be desired when it comes to the play uh, overall. I, I won't say that every single team uh, struggles with defense, but on the whole, they that seems to be an MLS issue. So I, I was impressed by him for sure. I mean, the other thing too is he was in a bit of an interesting role. Atlanta had won the first leg of the, the tie, uh, three nil. So there wasn't really much need for them to attack in this one. They were really just looking to, he was kind of an outlet. They just kind of packed it in a lot. So, I mean, which is honestly something that, uh, Newcastle does a lot, not because they're defending a lead, but because they're trying to avoid conceding. And Almiron is is pretty used to that, trying to get out on the break and, and make something happen. And, uh, Joseph Martinez. So the two of them did really well with that. They got a couple of good chances on net. Uh, honestly, like they looked like they were more likely to score, even in their limited number of chances on the break, than the Red Bulls did pretty much the entire game. So uh, I, I think that just goes to to show you just the level of talent that the two of them bring to the table. So I would be really happy if Almiron made it to Newcastle. I really hope that we manage to make this happen. I think um, within a year he'll be a good quality player for the club and, and somebody that. Um, I think will contribute uh, and he'll he'll be a, a a really solid contributor. My only worry is that now because he's got such a large profile from being in the MLS that maybe we'll end up with uh, you know end up having to pay more for a player that if he was going if he was playing in a different league that wasn't in the US. Uh, you, know, you wonder if maybe it would, if it would cost as much. Just because there is definitely something to be said about taking a player from the MLS. Sometimes when you take one of the stars from that league, uh, it, it makes them look maybe a little bit better than they truly are and the, and the value, the price of the, the transfer tends to go up.
1: Yeah, I and mean, we've seen this with I mean, tons of, uh, of, <laughs> of uh, MLS stars going to uh, England and it seems like pretty much inflated prices. Josie Altidore, Clint Dempsey, um, even though Dempsey was pretty good for Fulham.
2: I mean, um, let's talk about – I know he didn't play in the MLS, but, I mean, Chelsea's new boy is Christian Pulisic, and, I mean, they paid a, a small fortune to bring him in there. And, I granted, he's back on loan at Dortmund for the rest of the year, but, I mean, they pay a lot for this kid, and, and he's done well, uh, you know, over, over in Germany, but, you know, he's not even your everyday starting 11-caliber qu- player there in Germany. So it'll be interesting to see how he, he transitions in. But Well – TP. There's something to be said about the value of, of having somebody who either is an American player or, or done well in the MLS because it tends to lead to an increase, I think, just in, in awareness in the States. Uh, and this is a huge untapped market for a lot of these these major clubs. Um, you know, We've seen in, in recent years, uh, I, I'd say, I mean, honestly, still to this day, for whatever reason, Arsenal is one of the... For whatever reason, there's a big supporting... Uh, group over in the U.S. Uh, of Arsenal fans. I don't understand it, um, but like I you know that we've seen that happen before. And a lot of the time, it's because of something they might do in the transfer market that maybe isn't in the best interest always for their the club itself, but it, it does well for them on the bottom line.
1: Yeah, and and with Pulisic, I think Pulisic is a little bit different because the kid was starting almost every game for Dortmund last season. Um, and in the Champions League And just absolutely tearing up everything um, He's just I think he's had a terrible run of form In the middle of this season Which has like caused a little bit of concern And then Jaden Sancho has just been Just like out of nowhere Has become um, Just one of the best players One of the best young English talents um, Playing right now period So that, that's, that's a little bit different But I do see your point about MLS players And uh, oh, and your point about MLS defense is just spot on. I mean, it's a league that encourages teams to invest, but if you're if you're investing for the first time, um, especially now that a lot of teams are, most teams tend to invest their money because they're only allowed to invest in so many players. They tend to invest in the things that will get them goals, not the things that will win them games. So you'll see a lot of really good attackers coming out of the MLS or going into the MLS, like some of the best Attacking players and all of Concacaf are all playing in MLS, um, but all the defenders are still in their domestic leagues in Mexico or in um, in Paraguay. Well, not Paraguay, in like Costa Rica or whatever, or Panama. So, um, but yeah. So moving on from I, that, yeah,
2: I mean, the other piece of it too is you have to think about the MLS the way it's structured is that they can only give a certain amount of money. They have these designated player slots essentially yeah, on all the and their that's rosters. exactly
1: what i was saying. Yeah, and you, and, you
2: and, then, and then you know you would rather spend that money because uh, the thing is, is like the the average MLS contract is so small that there's a huge disparity between players that are on designated player slots and and those that just aren't. Uh, There's a huge disparity there. So the teams much rather spend the money on the more expensive players, attackers and midfielders, just by virtue of the positions they play and the kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, just uh, numerical returns you end up with them, whether it be goals or assists. Uh, They oftentimes tend to drive a higher value and and, want to get paid more. So that immediately is, is a, a red flag for the MLS clubs because they have so little to spend outside these designated player spots. So they'll fill in their defenses with whatever they can try and cobble together for cheap and, and really spend the money uh, elsewhere in their club.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, so um, moving on to Chelsea. So Newcastle have uh, Chelsea coming up. Uh, Chelsea currently in fourth in the Premier League. Um, and Newcastle are, like, in 15th. So, it's... Yep, we're still in uh, 15th. Yeah, it's a, it's a, we're, tie-
2: we're tied on points right now with two other clubs. We're, we're really just ahead on goal difference.
1: Which, you know, could play a factor in this. We could drop just on goal difference alone. Um, but uh, looking at uh, the form of, of each team, uh, so Newcastle just drew to Blackburn. They previously, before that, they lost to Man U. Uh, Drew Watford lost Liverpool. That was pretty ugly. And Drew Fulham. Um, So uh, Watford's probably the most inspiring performance that they've had uh, in the past few games. Uh, Meanwhile, Chelsea have lost to Spurs. And then they beat Nottingham Forest. uh, And Drew against Southampton, beat Crystal Crystal Palace, and beat Watford. So um, Chelsea obviously in a better bit of form. Um, Obviously, uh, they are better in a lot of ways in terms of talent, in terms of investment, in terms of uh, how the club is run. Uh, So it's no surprise that they're in fourth and Newcastle in 15th. Um, I I have
2: to ask this. Is there a spot where you can check the box where Newcastle has the advantage? Is there anything across the board where Newcastle takes the advantage there?
1: um, Maybe. I I mean, I would say supporters, but this season the home atmosphere has been pretty bad. Uh, So I don't even know. Also on the road yeah well um, yeah uh, I, uh, yeah I mean on the road, Newcastle supporters travel really well, still probably the best road that's true supporters that's true league, actually oh yeah, probably road supporters is where Newcastle has the advantage. you heard it here first, just that's it road supporters um so that's you know so that's the one
2: the one box we get to check as the advantage well yeah. i'll take that i that's, that's 'll we'll take good, that that's a good that's a good sign, i think
1: for newcastle fans <laughs> i
2: I'm, I'm I'm proud to be able to check that box,
1: yeah um I guess, <laughs> I, would, I would. I mean, much... yeah,
2: there there are a lot of other boxes you'd rather check. But... Yes,
1: that's true. Um, all right, so in terms of injuries, um, Chelsea. All right, I guess you could say Chelsea don't. They're not missing as many players as Newcastle. Um, it's still a lot. Nonetheless, um, and if you're looking at it as a whole But realistically, the the and the importance of the players that they're missing Is not as important as it is to Newcastle So, um, Murata is battling a hamstring injury um, They might rest him just because they can um, So, Murata might be resting uh, Charlie Masanda hasn't played in a while He's got a knee injury uh, Danny Drinkwater picked up a training knock today uh, Marco Van Ginkle has been out for a long time He tore his ACL Um, And Ruben Loftus-Cheek is still injured with a back injury. That's who they've got injured. Newcastle, on the other hand, um, Fernandez has a hip injury. He's day-to-day. Carl Darlow is day-to-day. Well, actually, he should be returning soon, Carl Darlow. Um, uh, He's had an elbow injury for a while. Obviously, Key and Muto are on international duty. Um, And Diame is is questionable um, for uh, if they're playing. Uh, Paul Duman and John Joe Shelby, no one really knows if they'll actually be considered fit. Um, they've both been playing, but um, no one really knows if they're actually healthy enough to play the full 90, um, especially after going to see the specialist in Barcelona. So we're not really sure what's going on there. Um, I would imagine that they're still going to both play since they have both played last week, um, but you never know. And Fernandez has been a guy who... Um, Should be playing, but he's been day to day for the past week and didn't play last week. So, um, so yeah, that's, he hasn't played since like last year, technically, I guess when we played Watford and Kieran Clark has been injured for a while. He's been dealing with an ankle injury for, um, for a while. He's been in training again. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it. So given the plethora of injuries, Newcastle have, or uncertainties, um, who do you think Newcastle will end up playing uh, this weekend, Chris?
2: Oh God, I have no idea. That's the tough part right now. Is there's so many guys that are up in the air. I mean, I think we're going to see uh, a lot of the like the, a lot of the same people that have been in there. Um, you know, we're not sure. We mentioned Kennedy. You even said to me beforehand. We're not yeah, sure Kennedy if Kennedy wasn't in
1: training today. So that was something that people were a little bit concerned about on Twitter.
2: So that could be an issue for sure. I obviously would hope that he's in there. Um, I have a feeling we'll probably see Yedlin. I, I after, I mean, Matt Ritchie has been doing well. He's been one of the lone bright spots for the club for the last few games. Um, saved us big time playing against Blackburn with that. Uh, e fourth penalty. And hey, I, I think we'll see Diame out there. He's actually made, I think he's been in every single match we've had so far this season. I don't think he's missed a premier league match. So, uh, you know, I, I think, those are definitely a couple we'll see. Rondon's been playing better of late, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him up front. I don't know about Perez. I figure probably why not. He's only missed one match this season. Um, so And then, you know, it's going to be an interesting collection of what Rafa decides to do with the back because I don't really know who's fully healthy yet. If Fernandez is fit, it might be nice to have him in there. Um, you know, he, he's, a, he's a big, tall presence, so that would be a good thing for the club. If Dummett's good to go, he's been playing much better this year and uh, has done well recently. I know we've been playing Richie kind of at that wing back position, and and Dummett's actually been technically one of the center defenders, but sliding out a little bit when the team goes up to attack. Um, so you know we'll see. I think I I think it's going to depend on on where we end up injury wise, but yeah, I, I'd say Diame, Dubrovka, Richie, Yedlin, and and and, and, I, and I I'll say Dummett as long as he's fully healthy would definitely be among the ones that I expect to see out there. Rondon as well. Like I said, he's been, he's been playing well and I, I think we'll see Perez. I think, I think Rafa is going to give him another chance on the first team here.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I think Perez gets the nod because we just don't have anyone else who plays that number 10 role. Uh, Rafa's tried Christian Atsu centrally, which hasn't been terrible. Um, and Kennedy played centrally against Blackburn and was just awful. So um, yeah. it, it does look like Perez is, is kind of the only person we can we can trust in that number 10 role, especially since muto is away in asia somewhere doing something at some random cup but we're that's that's another conversation for another time um i i i think that newcastle will go five in the back i think at a minimum you're going to get sharon lascelles on um, that third center back um i don't know who it's going to be it could be dumb um it could be uh, it could be Lejeune because Lejeune played the full match against Blackburn. Didn't look terrible. Um, didn't look didn't look like amazing. But he was he was do- he was holding his own. Um, and I think I think he was he made enough really good decisions. You know, going for the ball and knowing when to slide. That I think he would be fine in a back three. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him there. Um, and Fernandez actually just might be back. I mean, I think he's gotten. Um, he hasn't played since December twenty ninth, so he's had enough time to kind of recover from his like day to day like hip injury or something like that. So I think that we'll actually probably see, we might be able to see Fernandez. But I do I do like the idea of putting uh, Matt Ritchie as a left wing back against. Just been working really well as we go forward and allowing Kennedy and Perez to kind of um, play as wingers um, and service Rondon. Um, and then get Yedlin pushing forward as well. So I think that we will get a back five that will involve Matt Ritchie some way or somehow. That third center back spot is probably the most unsure position on the, on the pitch, though. Um, and then um, if Hayden's available, I think he'll probably play alongside Diame um, unless Shelby is actually fit. Now, if Shelby's fit, then Shelby's going to play. But if he's not fit, I wouldn't be surprised to see Hayden there. In the event that Diame is injured, um, we could see Sean Longstaff uh, – I, he he made his debut against Liverpool in the second half, I, albeit we were down two nil. But he didn't make any mistakes. Uh, he he looked fine against Blackburn. Played the whole game against Blackburn, uh, which is something that he hasn't done in cup matches. Even if if it's a first team cup match appearance, he'll get subbed off. Um, so I don't know. I think Rafa's putting a little bit more confidence in him, and he might throw him into the deep end. I don't know. Uh, he might have to because uh, we're kind of we're getting short on on midfielders, and. uh and it doesn't look like um, Rafa might have, you know, he doesn't have the luxury of of being able to just rotate whoever he wants in the midfield. If you're available and fit, you're just going to have to play. I mean, um, that's so, where we're at right now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's pretty, yeah it, it, that's exactly where we're at. Um, so just um, some quick stats about this, uh, this encounter. Um, so we've played Chelsea 47 times in the Premier League. Chelsea have won 23 of those. Uh, Newcastle won 12, and we've drawn 12 times. Chelsea have just lost one of their 23 home Premier League games against the Magpies and have won the last six at Stamford Bridge in all competitions. So um, this doesn't look like it's going to be a win for Newcastle um, by any means. Uh, The... The odds have us uh, have have Chelsea winning like one to four, so basically saying that it's almost a done deal that Chelsea wins this match. Uh, Chris, who do you think is going to win? Uh, I actually,
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I'm actually it's gonna be a draw. I think this is gonna end up being um, one of those games that Chelsea overlooks. Actually, they're just coming off a match in the uh, semi final round of the League Cup against uh, Tottenham, losing one nil. They've got Arsenal next week. Um, who's definitely been, made, a, made a bit of a push recently. They're only three points back of, of Chelsea right now. So I think uh, that's got to be where a lot of the focus is. And and, and Man, uh, Man United has looked a lot better ever since they fired Mourinho as well. So Chelsea's got to be sweating that out right now, sitting in fourth. I actually think this is going to be a match that they overlook a little bit. I think maybe we'll we'll get a chance to steal one on the counter at some point. Uh, you know, Rondon's been, been playing better of late, so I think maybe he'll manage to slot one in and we'll come away with a one, one draw. Rafa does a really great job of, of getting the guys ready to go on the road. Um, and, and I think, you know, like we were talking about before, they do actually have a really good road support that travels with them. And, and I don't know that they're going to have a ton of possession, but I could just see Chelsea maybe taking a look ahead at their schedule coming up. They've got that second leg ahead of them as well. Uh, I just, I think this is going to be one of those matches where Chelsea doesn't maybe give them the best effort or doesn't show up uh, as well as they possibly should. And, and Newcastle manages to steal an important point on the road against, uh, against Chelsea.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I think that, um, like you're saying, Chelsea, they are a squad that can afford to rotate some players. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we see a slightly rotated Chelsea team, which doesn't mean that it's not better than Newcastle's team, the, a rotated probably Chelsea- still will be. Yeah, yeah. It, it will still be better than Newcastle's uh, team, whatever they field. Um, but I do think that this will be a classic. Uh, Newcastle. They'll probably draw. Like they'll they'll probably be they'll probably tie it up. They'll get an early goal or something, and it'll be like one-one. And I think Chelsea's gonna sub on like Morata or or someone, and they'll score or like Willian or something. So I don't know. They'll score, and we'll lose two-one. That's my prediction. So somebody yeah. really out of
2: form as well. It's going to be somebody that's like, Oh, like why not? Are they doing this? Chelsea's going to have a fit about it. And then they'll score against us Cause that's usually how this works.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's literally what happened in the man U match. We went up two nil, and then like they sub on, it was Juan Mata and someone else who like Jose just wouldn't play. And like they they scored the goals that got Manu like three two. It's just it's just classic. It happens in Newcastle all the time. It's so unfortunate. It's been terrible this season because we've held our own against the top six. I mean, outside of Liverpool, which was just downright embarrassing. Um, and that was a game that you could make the argument Newcastle were very much in until uh, Mo Salah dove and got a penalty and put New- Liverpool up two nil. Um, questionable
2: questionable at best
1: oh it was it was it was he flopped um it wasn't even a question he should have been fined and and retroactively banned whatever but uh but yeah newcastle have actually done pretty well against the top six and uh, which is no surprise rafa has figured out how to bunker down and and get that low goal differential against the top six so um now we're moving on to uh our favorite segment uh our question segment brought to you by fubo tv of course, FuboTV is the best way to watch sports, period. It's pretty simple. It's a subscription service, which is what all the cool kids are doing nowadays. You basically sign up for whatever channels you want to watch and watch whatever sport, sporting events uh, you want to watch. So you can watch anything from uh, BN Sports to NBC Sports to Fox Sports to any, other, any of the sporting uh, networks out there and be able to kind of watch any sporting event possible maybe cricket little horse racing uh formula one all of them are on there so uh greg has fubo tv i'm buying fubo tv once i get a stable job um all that good stuff so of course we got the link in the description to the pod download it sign up and of course it's linked in the article as well so we have two questions um the first one comes from a friend of chris and i evan jenkins who Ahem. What are you both doing after university? So, Chris, what are you doing now that you're not in Syracuse? Because I don't know if people know this. So if, you're, if you are unfamiliar with the history of Chris and I, Chris and I both went to Syracuse University together and played Ultimate Frisbee there and hosted a show called CHN Live, which lasted for like a year and was a lot of fun and supposed to be about Newcastle, but I don't even know what it was really about. We would um, talk about Newcastle, but there was often a lot of other topics
2: randomly roped in as well.
1: Oh, yeah. And there was questions. It was a lot of fun. Um, the but- viewer questions
2: on that show were incredible. We would There was a few where we ended up with, uh, I mean, dozens of questions where we would probably 25 minutes worth of questions.
1: Oh, yeah. It was great. Um, but since then, Chris and I have both graduated. So, Chris, let the people know what you're up to.
2: Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm I think it's interesting that Evan's asking this question. I haven't talked to Evan a little bit. Evan was at Syracuse with us as well. Uh, so we, I, since I graduated, I spent six months kind of hanging out, looking for work, working a bunch of odd jobs back home. And then uh, in November, I uh, landed a job. I started just about a month ago now at ESPN. i working part-time up in Bristol, Connecticut. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm having a good time with that. I'm working on the audience engagement team. So uh, what we do is uh, all those lovely ESPN notifications you get on your phones, uh, I'm part of the team that sends those out. So I am probably directly responsible for the information that you end up receiving on your phones, as weird as that might sound.
1: Especially if you're a Syracuse fan.
2: Yes, I've done a lot of, that was fun. I, I had a lot of fun during our Syracuse bowl game. I was working that night against uh, Syracuse play West Virginia in their bowl game. It was the Camping World Bowl and uh, I would get the content coming through. And so I you know, would jokingly, uh, as I was sending it, would also let my friends know that it was coming so that way they were looking for it. Uh, you guys you guys had a fun, fun time with that. Eric, uh, who was one of my roommates, and uh, a fellow Atlantan. What is, what is the term for people from Atlanta? AT-alien. at aliens. Okay, I'll give you that. So uh, Eric was, was mind-blown by the fact that I was able to do that.
1: Well, that is true. And by the way, this is an announcement. So Elijah, was- you, tell,
2: you tell us now.
1: Oh, of course, I will. But this, by the way, was an announcement that was made on a podcast that is lost forever that we recorded with Chris, like me and Greg, a while ago. Oh, right yeah. when Chris, like literally like the day Chris was announcing this, he announced it live on this podcast, and that file was gone forever. So this is actually the second time Chris McGlynn been on this podcast, but you'd never heard the first time. It's lost forever. You'll never now, hear it. So uh, really, I mean, was I ever really on the podcast? Well,
2: no, you weren't. Technically, technically, no, I guess I was you were not.
1: you were a part you were actually just a recorded conversation that was never that was lost forever lost yeah. file.
2: It was just Greg really wanted to have a chance to get to know me better.
1: It's true. Um, That's so, all that really happened. so for the people wondering, um, and I guess if you're a loyal listener, you may know this. I mean, if you've been listening since day one, because I think it's the only time we've mentioned this. I'm in grad school at Florida State University um, in Tallahassee. Currently, I'm in Atlanta right now, but normally I'm in Tallahassee uh, studying sport management and writing a thesis, um, something to do with race and soccer. I'm narrowing down the topic, but that's what I'm doing right now and also looking for jobs and all that stuff. So, yes, um, that's what we're both doing after university, which is a very weird phrasing. That's like Evan was trying to be British when Evan is American. Yes,
2: Evan is very American. He's from Virginia, but, you know. It was, it was one of the first colonies, so maybe Evan's trying to like go back in history here and try and tap into some, uh, some of the old uh, British roots that the U.S. has. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Shout out to Roanoke, the lost colony. Give him a shout out. Yeah. That, no one knows what happened to him, but Roanoke.
2: Wasn't it's that North Carolina? Carolina.
1: Oh wait, that's in North Carolina. No, Roanoke. Yeah, there in is a
2: Roanoke, Virginia.
1: Yeah, okay. Oh, don't make there like, is I, there's I,
2: a Roanoke, North Carolina as well.
1: Okay, I'm not aware of that. I just I was like, I know there's Roanoke, Virginia. That's where the lost colony is, because I I know a guy from Roanoke. All right. I so, think the uh, lost
2: colony was in North Carolina, but
1: No, well you know I what? mean there could have been a, I know that Roanoke, like they they were a colony and then like they all disappeared and no one knows what happened to them.
2: Yeah, no, th- there's some theories, but there's nothing that's ever really, like, come about.
1: Bas- I uh, think they all just died. like Probably. They just didn't know how to survive. Um, all right, so our next question comes from the official questionnaire of the podcast, Trevor Mooney. Uh, and he not going to lie, this is probably Trevor Slacken. Uh, we've been defeating all of his questions lately. Uh, this one is just pretty straightforward, um, and I think it's because he knows there's a guest post on here. Uh, he asked Messi or Ronaldo. Well, he didn't
2: hold back when you guys did the the interview with me. He gave us a tough question, and he was a guest on that time. I remember that question being uh, pretty interesting. I think it was just rust,
1: but Maybe. you have to answer the question.
2: All right, so Messi or Ronaldo, are we talking about who we think is better or who we prefer?
1: Uh, both. All
2: right, so... I prefer Messi without a doubt. Uh, Ronaldo, if you ask me, is a little too self-centered. I think he, he I don't know, I, I can't, I'm not a huge fan of just his personality and the way he carries himself, it's, I think, obnoxious in a lot of ways. Um, and if we're asking who's he's a better player, I think if you're talking about who I'd rather have on a team, I'd rather take Messi only because uh, I feel like his his skill set and just ability to move the ball and and just manage to find ways to set up something that, out of nothing in a lot of different ways. And he's had some great teammates along the way. There's no doubt about that at Barcelona. I mean, he's got Luis Suarez there now. He's a goal machine. He had Andres Iniesta for all those years. But, I mean, his ability to finish on free kicks and and just his close control and, and change of it, and, and just ability to start and stop on a dime. Uh, Ronaldo's big and physical, but I think Messi is something that we've seen a lot more of in, in kind of, I think like modern, modern football, we've seen a lot of clubs kind of trend toward this. They want to have the, the speedy, uh, kind of possession based player who's able to go out there and create something on his own rather than somebody who needs to be fed up top. And Ronaldo is capable of creating things on his own. He's an incredible player. Don't get me wrong, but I just feel like Messi's ability to do that is, is more valuable than I think what Ronaldo brings to the table.
1: Yeah, um, I'd say that I personally prefer Messi. I think Messi's the better player. I think Messi's the GOAT. I love Messi. Um, I hate people who love Ronaldo. Um, but wow, I'll say this. you throwing
2: hate out there. That's harsh yeah, terms, I,
1: man. Hey, I'm I'm, a, I'm an opinionated individual. But if I had to choose... That, like, that you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I had to choose a guy to like put on like Newcastle, like specifically looking at Newcastle, I'd put Ronaldo. Because I think Ronaldo... Has carried, like, I think you can see one. I think one, Ronaldo's a better fit body, body type wise for the Premier League. And I think Messi would do well in the Premier League. I just think Ronaldo's a better fit body type wise. Um, two, I think that it's, it's like you can kind of look at what, what's happened with, uh, Ronaldo leaving Real Madrid, Real Madrid, or however you want to call us and going to Juve. You can kind of see that Ronaldo has that ability to just like carry a team completely. Um, Which Messi can, but Ronaldo's just had to do it. So, like, if I needed someone to carry Newcastle from 15th to 3rd, I think it could be Ronaldo because he's effectively already done that. Like, Real Real Madrid are so bad this season compared to last season. And, yes, you just lost the best player in the world. I mean, aren't they right now 5th?
2: They're they're 5th right
1: now in La Liga, correct? And they just – they actually lost to McElroy on Real Sociedad today. Wow. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, that's, that's not a good look. So, I mean, I don't know. I actually think that's an interesting point though, is how, who would be a better fit. And the reality is, is I think, yeah, you're probably right with Ronaldo because Ronaldo, if you just put Ronaldo up top, uh, Newcastle actually have a, I think we have actually a couple of decent options on yeah, the wing. You have to give it a to them. Okay. Wing players. Um, that's kind of where Messi would, would play best. So it's like, it's less of an upgrade. Newcastle for such a long time now has needed a consistent goal scorer. Uh, That's something they haven't had in in quite some time. So I think that actually would be probably a bigger need for Newcastle than what Messi brings to the table. That's
1: interesting. And uh, you could argue that Messi would be a considerable upgrade at number 10 over Jose Perez. Hang
2: on. You're telling me do you think Messi is better than Perez?
1: Oh, I know. Shocker. Uh-huh. I know.
2: I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with that hundred percent. We were just saying how he's the greatest player of all time, but I don't know if I'm ready to say that yeah. he, he's better than our Ayosy Perez.
1: Yeah, that's true. And and I see what you're saying. Like um you, you we do need a true finisher because I think Messi would set up, you know, Rondon or whoever we have up top and give them the opportunity to score goals, but it's like even when these guys get like four or five chances a game they're putting them they're putting away one out of like five uh like clear shots on target so and and with ronaldo that number is usually just like he's going to get two out of three of his shots on target if you get if he gets a chance he's putting it in the back of the net. like and i think you can't say that for any striker right now at newcastle um and i also think that ronaldo has the ability to even if he's even if he's a nine he can drop back and play make which is something that we would need like it fills two needs. It fills that need of like a true playmaker and it fills that need of a goal scoring threat. So that's why we'll go Ronaldo. Um, but that's kind of it for this podcast, Chris. Uh, thanks for coming on. Of um, course. Uh, yeah. And so if, of course, like I've said, if you want to follow us on the socials uh, it's at coming home in UFC for our Twitter um, as well as at CHN underscore radio. Um, if you want to contribute, uh, be sure to slap that email Slap, slap. I don't know why I said slap that email. That was a weird sentence. I don't either. Even- uh, shoot an email to radio and at gmail.com. Don't forget to give us five stars on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, leave a review, give us five stars on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, subscribe, do all that stuff. Um, and of course, send feedback to radio and ufc at gmail.com as well as like. Send us memes. That'd be cool. Send
2: too. more questions. We want more
1: questions. Yeah. Oh, we live off of questions. So yeah, I'm that's it. Best um, part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we live off of questions. So yeah. Um, do you have anything, any final words, Chris?
2: Uh, well, thanks for bringing me on. I, 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 I actually am a big, I'm a big fan of podcasts myself. I listen to this show, of course, every now and then uh, when I have the chance. But I actually run a podcast myself. So it's, it's fun to maybe to take a step back from what I do. Uh, in my own show and kind of get a a peek into what you guys are doing at coming home Newcastle. So, uh, always happy to be along for anything that CHN is doing. So it's, uh, it's been a long time, but happy to be back.
1: Nice. All right. So, um, and of course we're happy to have you. Um, it's cool getting to reconnect and talk to Chris again. Uh, I legitimately haven't had a conversation like on, we actually haven't talked like extensive, extensively, I guess, since the time we accidentally deleted your yeah. your your uh your, uh, your that was yeah that was
2: the last time that you
1: really had a chance to talk and then yeah. apparently
2: I wasn't good enough for you and so you deleted the interview so yeah
1: it it was us it was uh, I know it was definitely
2: strategic I'm not yeah. surprised at all to hear that you guys did that
1: it definitely didn't throw a wrinkle in our in our in our uh, in our posting schedule oh no oh, definitely yes. not of course there, not there is one more announcement of course and I will end on this note. If you have not bought tickets to Denver for this Toon Army America meetup, what in the world are you doing? We will have a live show with the legend Warren Barton. He will be there doing a meet and greet, uh, drinking beers, answering all of your questions, and it will all be recorded. And it will be tons of fun. You'll get to meet Greg and I and, of course, meet Brian and tell him how bad his takes are. So uh, (laughs) don't forget about that. That is February 22nd. Uh, so go ahead and start looking for plane tickets right now. If you need an Airbnb, hit me up on Twitter because Brian and I have one. So that's going to be something. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that's all I've got. Um, and without further ado, um, have a wonderful day, you wonderful listeners. Um, and hopefully we can do something against Chelsea. Go away the left.
0: I've danced the jig and swung me twig the day I went to play them to blade and tune the bellman he was carrying there they carried him jotty broom i saw him into some chips and then he was persuaded the gamsy he jolted riddly showed the mechanics howl at blade Johnny had a white hat on, they yelled, we stole the cuddy. There was face downs and monkey shoes and adwives selling ciders. And you'd check for half own the butchers, and no lads for riders. <laughs>